This is a special edition of the Leadership and Insurance podcast broadcast from ITC LATAM. ITC LATAM was a great event based in Miami looking at what's happening in the world of innovation in insurance and insurtech for the LATAM region. We were really lucky to be joined by a mixture of VC investors, private equity investors um, and leading insurtechs and insurers to hook their view on the region um, and what's happening in the developments there. We got some great insight and we met some fantastic people. Um, a great event and thank you to the ITC team for the invite. This is the ITC LATAM edition of the Leadership and Insurance podcast. So I'm here at ITC LATAM, very exciting. The first ITC LATAM event that's happened. I'm very lucky to join by Hugh from HCS Capital. Um, thanks for joining us. How are you? Oh, very well. Thank you so much for the invitation. No, not at all. Well, we yeah. thought you were the perfect person to start with because um, you're based in the region, um, uh, actually by background, now investor, many other things. So maybe if you can give a sort of slight overview of you know, your role, not just at HSCS, because you you're a man of many skills. Yeah, no, but uh, I'm French, so I think it, for your audience it's important because I am from Europe, but uh, I live in South America for the last 20 years. I live 15 years in Argentina, uh, six years uh, right now in Chile. And uh, yes, and uh, right now we, 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 we are a VC fund dedicated and investment in fintech insurtech principally insurtech in Latin America, mm -hmm. US, and, and Israel. And uh, definitely we are fascinating for the insurtech ecosystem in Latin America. Mm -hmm. uh, that is very huge, so it's amazing and uh, happy to be here with you in ITC Latam. Fantastic. So give us an overview of what's what's happening in the region. I think that'd be really useful because I mean, we, we came here as FinPro as a bit of a scouting mission. We didn't know what was really sort of happening in the region, but you know, insurance, and insurtech innovation tends to reflect the region itself. So yeah. maybe the kind of uniqueness of the system, like for example, someone had made a comment earlier to me that there's much more focus on like health, yeah, health yeah. insurtechs and, uh, and personal lines insurtechs. Is, is, is that the state of play at the moment? Um, yes, I, I don't know if it's really, uh, but I think that as you say, uh, um, insurtech ecosystem in Latin America is very close to uh, the culture of Latin America. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there are a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, they love the technology, and, and for sure that there are a lot of possibility in order to uh, to uh, to improve and to create for car insurance, for example, mm -hmm. for home insurance. Because you, you you must imagine that here in Latin America everything is less mature mm -hmm. if you compare with Europe, if you sure. compare with UK. Uh, for example, yesterday I, I give a masterclass about new business model, and I was talking about homeowner. And for example, I, I was sharing with Latin American people the case of Amazon in UK, mm -hmm. okay, because for, for us it's quite interesting. Hey, Amazon is selling home insurance in, uh, in UK, but in Latin America, for example, home insurance is not uh, mandatory, mm -hmm. it's optionally. So, yes. so it's quite different um, if you compare with, uh, with Europe. So uh, bottom line, I think that uh, Latin America, in every country, there is some particularity, depending on the country, mm -hmm. for sure, that some country like, uh, for example, in the case of Mexico, much more focus on car insurance, sure. for sure. Uh, but uh, if I can um, analyze the continent in the, in the totality, um, I think that uh, the, the, the main uh, characteristic is uh, entrepreneur, yeah. entrepreneur, resiliency, Mm -hmm. Because Latin America is a continent with a lot of crises, yes. so 
the entrepreneur here uh, knows to navigate uh, in a turbulent times. Mm -hmm. And that is different if you compare with Europe. Yes, of course. Course, yeah, it's interesting. The insurance penetration is obviously quite low in some of these countries, yeah. and obviously, country by country, it's very different. But uniformly, I was lucky enough to speak to the uh, uh the guy that runs um InsurTech Latam and InsurTech Mexico, and they, yeah. they were even having a conversation amongst themselves. Yeah. I think Mexico was like two percent penetration yeah. on certain lines, and it was like six percent somewhere else. Yeah. So, does that mean there's a different emphasis on? Yeah. You know, InsurTechs that can improve distribution, for example, would do very well here versus maybe we're kind of more focused on net new products in, in more mature markets. Yeah, uh, you're right, yes, uh, as, you, as you said. Huh? Uh, in, um, in Latin America, the penetration rate is about 3%, mm -hmm. okay, in average, if you compare with 8 9% in Europe or in other countries. So uh, the, 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 the challenge here is how we can make more uh, protecting the people in Latin America sure. and because we have a lot of uh, 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 bottom line of the pyramid is very uh, huge with very a lot of underserved people yes and we must try to find the way to uh, to decrease the gap uh, of insurance and mm -hmm. in that case in the case of Latin America and a lot of people like the uh, Elon Musk in US uh, look at is uh, there are a lot of super app in America, in Latin America, and la super app like Mercado Libre, New Bank, Rappi, uh, can help to serve underserved people, mm -hmm. okay? For example, for digital payment, for uh, Neobank, and in that case, insurance is a very good uh, value proposal for this kind of people. Yeah, yeah. Because I've noticed that the, in this event alone, there's a much closer, uh, relationship between fintech and insurtech they're not as distinct you know and, and maybe that's because it's serving sort of personal lines yeah. but also it just seems like the ecosystem is more uh, yeah less distinct they're working more closely together than for example in like in the UK or the US we go in it's very distinctly like this is insurtech it's not fintech um, yeah yeah you're right you're right that uh, I think that's a case of uh, by resiliency mm -hmm. uh, ecosystem in, in Latin America is very collaborative yeah in that case for example or the case of uh, InsurTech, I am co-founder of, uh, for non-profit, huh, uh, as Association InsurTech for Chile, InsurTech Chile, and from Association InsurTech of, of Colombia. And today we will sign an agreement in order to organize the alliance of InsurTech of, for the Pacific, including Mexico, Colombia, and Chile. Amazing. Three countries are about 200 million habitants, mm -hmm. okay? 40% of insurtech and 50 billion dollars of premium. So huge market in three different markets and the insurtech and the association of insurtech um, are working in order to make more collaborative the way in order to soft land from a country to a country mm -hmm. and to work with the insurance uh, traditional carriers. Yeah. Um, so, you're right, and for the case of fintech, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm finding that um, I'm really interested in associations and, and uh, not, prof not profits because yeah. it's, it's, it's helping the ecosystem launch new products. It, it's, it's, it's bringing in that kind of insurance knowledge, and sometimes it's just relationships with carriers in different countries. Is, is that the kind of purpose that they, they serve? Yes, the purpose of this association definitely is to, to make uh, first to be uh, uh, a good interlocutor with the regulator. Okay, sure. in order to make yeah, yeah. and to improve the regulation for open insurance, 
for sandbox, so for uh, a parametric insurance uh, first. The second one is to make more collaborative the, the, the meeting between insurtech and careers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we, we create uh, this kind of network. Third is to to allow um, because market are close, are, are, are quite small here. So uh, insurtech needs to move from Chile to Colombia yeah. and to uh, Mexico. Mm -hmm. With every uh, country is different. So the idea is to make a good collaboration for Softland and for sure uh, run some studies like digitalization of the ecosystems or um, no, the roadmap is very exciting. Yeah, good. And, and I suppose uh, lastly, from with your investor hat on, yeah. what are there any particular themes or things that you're excited about at the moment that are happening in InsureTech that you're particularly paying attention to? Ah, uh, uh, as I said... Uh, Without revealing any secrets. No, 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 no. <laughs> no but, uh, the first wave of InsureTech, InsureTech 1.0, uh, is finished for me and uh, mm -hmm. we must to uh, redesign and rethinking the InsureTech ecosystem. So for, for VC, like HS Capital, we are looking a lot of InsureTech. We know very well that InsureTech. We are managing very well the unit economics. Mm -hmm. And uh, every VC is very shy today to invest. Yeah. Money is there, yeah. but money is not invested. Mm. It's different, mm. okay? Uh, the dry powder of uh, the VC fund in the world is uh, 50, uh, 500 billion dollars. So dry powder is a money that has the VC. So there are a lot of money but nobody is invest anything. Why? Because they take care about runway, is how long you can manage uh, the, the, the insure tech with the same money. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, and we are, I think that right now we are looking for uh, a very good insure tech with good unit economics. Yeah. To be sure that this insure tech could be profitable and sustainable. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to get your view because you were an actuary in, yeah. in, in, a, in a former life yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. so therefore like good fundamentals of underwriting are always going to be a core thing that you look at. Um, I'd ask you just a comment on maybe in Shortech 1.0 was did that get thrown out the window? People like forgot the fact that, that they got so obsessed with oh we're, we've got a better customer journey, we've got a better tech, we're digitally native that almost like we forgot about yeah but you still got to have underwriting skills and underwriting talent and, and has that become refocused particularly when you look at better unit economics? Yeah, yeah, uh, as I said, uh, so the first wave of 1.0 uh, is finished and I think that there are some characteristics. Uh, one of, uh, of these characteristics that is different is the, the, the following one. Before, a lot of tech guys, digital guys, enter to the insurtech world to say, hey, I will distribute this with this world. Uh, insurance is very boring. You are very old, old-fashioned, traditional, and uh, we know that we can disrupt this market. Today, it's not the case. Mm -hmm. But insurtech is alive with uh, good uh, insurance experts to move into digital uh, way, to move into tech way, because they know that this uh, market is highly inefficient, mm -hmm. and we can change it. Yeah. We can propel it in the new uh, world and, uh, and in a more sustainable world too. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, as we were saying earlier, maybe yeah. maybe some of the tourists have left, and that's yeah. probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, you, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No, thank you so much, and hope uh, we, we can meet us uh, again in, uh, in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, be easy for me. Thank you. Thank you. 
So we, here we are at ITC LATAM. I'm very lucky to be joined by Nico from Foundation Capital. Uh, Nico, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me on. No, not at all, not at all. No, very good, thank you. Very good. Um, well, look, thanks for joining us. Um, we always like to start, this is a much uh, more shortened version of the podcast, but we're trying to get the hot takes on investors. But I think as a starting point, it's always good to introduce yourself and, and the Foundation Capital. And then obviously specifically, um, you know, how focused you are on insure tech because my understanding is obviously you're, you're a much broader kind of fintech lens that you look at the world from yeah absolutely i'll start on on foundation uh you know foundation is a is a nearly 30 year old venture firm so founded back in the 90s a little bit of a kind of silicon valley og uh, in a lot of ways uh but have stayed very focused on the early stage so today we're, we're fundamentally seed investors uh but really anywhere on that kind of pre-seed to series a is sort of fair game for us uh, fintech, broadly speaking, is about half of what we do. Kind of insure tech is a is a big piece of that and a big piece of my time. Uh, typically investing kind of one to ten million dollars. Uh, typically leading, looking for kind of high ownership, high conviction, high touch investments, uh, and actually limiting ourselves in terms of how many investments we do in a given year, how many boards we can sit on at a given time, so we can really deliver on what we're functionally kind of promising and selling, which is to be very active, involved and engaged investors. So it's a little bit of a kind of old school VC strategy stemming from, from us being founded back in the nineties. But, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we we're, uh, we're pretty excited about it. We're on our 10th fund today. Uh, that's a $500 million fund. Uh, the team is primarily based out on the West coast. Uh, I'm a partner here in our New York office. Uh, so holding down the fort here, uh, out East. Um, and I'm originally from Uruguay. So obviously very passionate about, uh, LATAM and, and, and Latin American FinTech and InsureTech, especially. Awesome, awesome. I think um, one thing I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, we've with a lot of insurtech specific uh, funds, but but I think particularly as we kind of evolve into insurtech, I don't know if it's 2.0, 3.0, I don't know what we're on now, but whatever reiteration we're on, um, what benefit do you think that brings having that broader kind of fintech lens? Do, do you think that adds something to kind of what you can see from the insurtech world? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and I'll actually zoom that even broader, uh, which is, you know, fintech today with InsureTech, and there's about half of what we do as a fund. It's, it's 100% of my and my team's time, but it's half of what we do as a fund. The other half of our team is, is our enterprise team, which is kind of anything sort of B2B enterprise, especially software. Uh, we get this question all the time, you know, hey, why shouldn't I go with uh, a, a sort of pure play InsureTech fund or a pure play fintech fund? And uh, uh, for us, it's uh, very much a feature, not a bug. Right. Uh, the idea is, you know, we're structured kind of vertically, fintech and suretech, and then we've got a whole other team with really smart folks that are structured horizontally, you know, really good at that kind of enterprise sales motion. And so uh, where we intersect is those really those kind of one plus one equals three type of situations. And so the example I always give very topical for, for insuretech is cyber insurance. Right. You know, we, we're very deep in, in insurance and insuretech. We've got a whole team of folks that have been doing cybersecurity investing for 20 plus years with all the big names in the portfolio. And so when we can overlap there and sort of bring both of those sides of the house, again, all investing out of one fund, it, it, it's really exciting. You know, fintech more broadly, uh, uh, you know, there, there's sort of so much to learn about kind of uh, insurance from the broader fintech ecosystem. But, you know, at the same time, we, we really focus on being kind of uh, locals, not tourists. And so uh, I think a lot of the challenges that we've seen in, in insurance and the insure tech markets in the last few years have been, you know, folks treating this like it's, let's say, consumer fintech, right, if you're a lemonade or, or similar. And turns out, you know, it's actually uh, uh, sort of a lot of different nuances. And um, we actually take a lot of lessons from our investing in, in something like lending, for example. My sort of hot take is that, uh, you know, people, I think, instinctively understand that lending is scary, right? Sort of money goes out the door, you part with your money, and then you hope it comes back in, you know, a year or five years or 10 years. 
uh, insurance is, is the same thing, but in reverse, right? And so uh, money comes in, which is great. Uh, we hope that we, it doesn't have to go out in the future with losses and, and, and paying claims, right? And so um, I think people instinctively understand, you know, lending scary. I, I think people kind of piled in to insurance without sort of taking into account some of those risks. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, and a, a lovely, lovely analogy. What have you, you've been in the insurtech investment game for a while and from several different perspectives, uh, which I think is particularly interesting. Um, what's kind of the biggest kind of shift that you've seen into this year? Because there's been a lot of like macroeconomic pressures. We've obviously had the kind of tourists, as everyone has been rightly pointed out, driving up the valuations, although they weren't alone. Some of the locals were doing plenty of that as well. Um, but what specifically do you think has kind of like shifted in terms of what you look at now? Um, is it different types of companies or is it different types of kind of founding teams? And I'm sure this, I know it's a very broad question, but I wonder if there's any specific theme there. Yeah, it's, it's a very good question. Um, you know, I, I'd say sort of and, and this is not necessarily just this year. I mean, this is what we've been focused on for, for years now here at Foundation. Uh, you know, sort sort of two big pieces broadly speaking. One is obviously on the kind of producing side, so MGAs, neo carriers. Um, they're really, really focused, especially now, on kind of next gen risks requiring next gen underwriting. So uh, we always kind of use the the analogy. You know, someone like a Metro Mile, obviously, which you know ended up kind of in, in a fiasco. Um, you know, that that was a company that ultimately, you know, yeah, you could use some bells and whistles, and you know, there, there's telematics and and all that kind of stuff, but it turns out somebody like a, like a Geico or a Progressive is, is already really good at, at underwriting, uh, you know, standard consumer auto here in the U.S. And so ultimately, you know, someone like a Metromile had to compete, you know, exclusively on, on digital acquisition, uh, which also got competed away and, and got driven up. Uh, and, and then ultimately on price, which is sort of where, where all these things end up going to die. Um, you know, something on the other hand, like, uh, for example, crypto insurance or cyber insurance, which you've invested in. Um, you know, that, that is really a, a sort of advanced risk that requires not only very serious kind of insurance and actuarial skills and, and skill sets, uh, but really deep, you know, whether it's cybersecurity, kind of uh, technological knowledge or, or on-chain underwriting uh, capacity in, in the case of crypto. And so, you know, our thesis there is that, you know, the large carriers, uh, the traditional legacy carriers are just not going to be able to cut it. And, and, you know, we saw this, for example, in, in cyber, the history of cyber over the last, you know, 25 years uh, is, you know, carriers thought that they could write it. It was a very profitable line for a long time. And then it turns out that, you know, this entire existing book that we've got is actually, you know, <laughs> very bad, right? It's, it's sort of very challenged. And uh, it took sort of a situation like COVID and sort of the boom in cryptocurrencies for ransomware to spike. Obviously, the, the number of sort of exposure points that the average company had uh, skyrocketed during work from home. And so, you know, all of a sudden, you've got all these carriers getting their faces ripped off and not just, you know, two, 300% loss ratios, but four, five, 600% loss ratios. Every loss is a limit loss. And, and so, you know, that market has, has hardened dramatically over the last few years. And that's enabled folks like Coalition, Cowbell, you know, Corvus, uh, At Bay, and others to really rise into that. And so that's why, mm. you know, we're, we're excited about kind of finding the next versions of those markets. And so I mentioned crypto insurance, which we invested in uh, a company called CoinCover, uh, Evertoss, and, and Breach, uh, sort, of, sort of several flavors here in the US and in the UK. Uh, we've invested, for example, in non-standard uh, kind of light commercial auto, a company called Thermatic, uh, you know, uh, a company called Insurate, which is in the workers' comp for uh, very high-risk industries where they can pull a lot of data to sort of either bend the curve on that risk or actually sort of cherry-pick the good risk, uh, and, and, and several others kind of in and around that space. 
Um, you know, the, the other big piece of, of the world that we're really thinking about now is obviously with AI uh, going forward. And so that's in the kind of software and, and the sort of SaaS insure tech side of the world. Uh, we're investors in a company called Evolution IQ, which is doing a sort of uh, a few different things. It's kind of a workflow for uh, agents at, uh, at disability and workers comp carriers to be able to manage the kind of return to workflow. Uh, but really exciting is the AI piece where they uh, actually use a lot of machine learning to uh, take unstructured data, things like doctor's notes and communications and things like that. Uh, and one, you know, find opportunities to kind of cut off the, the lost tail. And so, you know, uh, uh, folks that are of uh, high propensity to litigate, for example, that's a good one to settle early. Uh, and at the same time, also detect patterns of fraud that sort of agents uh, would not be able to find. And, you know, their sort of auditing process at these carriers was very much ad hoc and kind of random. And now this AI is actually pulling out, you know, hey, Alex submitted this doctor's note with this x-ray and this thing, but, you know, one, the doctor's note doesn't match the x-ray. And, you know, we also pulled from his social media that he's out golfing last weekend. And so, you know, his, his <laughs> owner's probably okay. Right. And so uh, it's, it's things in and around that world that, that we're, I think, I think especially excited about here going forward in this market. What I like about that sort of portfolio choice is that, you know, the net new risks thing, because one of the things I'm always a bit critical about the market is that there's a lot of kind of like redistributing of the pie. But there's less growing of the pie if, if you part right. of the kind of you know and net new risks is great because it is growing the insurance industry like that that's adding that's adding a huge amount to the pie whereas you know doing things like fast and more efficient is great but really what we're doing is just redistributing those customers from company a to company b um and that that doesn't get me too excited and then a lot of those kind of thematically there's a sort of collaborative element there as well so to get them off the ground usually they're getting capacity from the insurers allows them to innovate in collaboration with these businesses and then from an investor's perspective driving those collaborations must be a huge part of it because we all know how difficult it is to get traction in the insurance industry so you know it seems to me that thematically there's a sort of very collaborative with the existing market and the incumbent market part of your portfolio is that, is that kind of a fair an observation or you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one, one of our, uh, uh, we were chatting about this obviously before, you know, one of our sort of uh, uh, observations that I think is, is not reinventing the wheel, you know, it's, it's a little bit of reinventing the wheel, but but it's, um, you know, the, the the sort of insurance industry, I think everybody has this sense that it's sort of technologically kind of lagging, um, you know, even relative to sort of traditional financial services like big banks and others, you know, and, and that's because really the, the sort of insurance industry as, as sort of we think about it traditionally kind of stands on sort of three pillars, right? There's like distribution, which is, uh, you know, captive distribution or, or, or channel distribution, you know, and that's the world of agents and brokers, online acquisition and things like that. There, there's the sort of the, the magic, right? The risk assessment, the actual sort of actuarial underwriting piece of, of the puzzle. And then there's everything that kind of comes post-sale, you know, service and support, right? So claims, uh, fraud, uh, uh, back office, customer service, things like that. And, the, the sort of insight is that the insurance industry has, I think, spent uh, uh, dramatically on uh, all, all three pieces, but really on sort of piece one and piece three, and especially using those, uh, sort of solving those problems with, with people, right, with manpower. And so uh, that's left kind of the middle piece, sort of the, the kind of actual, you know, the, the secret sauce there of underwriting. Uh, relatively sort of underinvested, and so there's this stat that's you know coming out in this in this blog post that we've got, which is that you know of the sort of top 2,500 global companies in terms of top spenders on R&D, so the top 2,500 global spenders, there are uh, nine 
uh, insurance companies in those top 2,500. So sort of dramatically underrepresented, obviously things like, you know, IT and, and, and you know, uh, technology are, are highly represented, but, you know, even something like kind of traditional financial services is more in the kind of 50 range. So, you know, there's something, uh, you know, five plus X kind of representation in terms of top R&D spenders. So, uh, we, you know, we, we're, we're very excited about kind of startups being able to partner with, with those carriers. And uh, we, we almost think about it and we try to pitch it to our kind of carrier contacts and partners as, you know, hey, they, you know, this startup X can be the kind of outsourced AI dev shop that you wish you had internally, right? And you wish you could sort of leverage. Yeah, that's definitely the way that we've we've seen people pitch it successfully. Um, really conscious of your time, so I won't keep you much longer. But obviously, be be amiss of me. We're we're, we're ITC Latam, and we're not we're not talking about Latam. So you know, Latam's obviously a very different market. A huge market and obviously there's different things different countries you know lower insurance penetrations you know much less mature markets in many ways um what are, what's the kind of interest that you have in the region from an investment standpoint is there is there particular themes um you know like healthcare and automotive automotive i've seen a lot of plays here at the event um yeah is there anything specific that's kind of interesting and different from other kind of geographical regions that you might look at yeah, so so absolutely invest in in Latam. Like I mentioned, you know, I'm from from Uruguay originally, so uh, certainly uh, at a personal level, very passionate about kind of growing the, like you said, growing the pie in the region rather than sort of just redistributing. Uh, you know, the, the story of our kind of fintech investing in Latam has has typically centered more around sort of Central America and maybe Northern kind of South America. So uh, a lot of investments in Mexico, especially one of our general partners, is based in Mexico City. Uh, you know, we're early investors in, in Rappi out of Colombia, and so that's led to a lot of sort of other investments in, in Colombia. But, you know, the rest of the region, we're, we're sort of excited to kind of continue to push forward, I think, especially in, in this environment, uh, sort of relatively less competition. You know, as we think about sort of tourists and locals, there were certainly a lot of, of tourists, sort of American tourists kind of coming down into the region and sort of throwing money around like crazy. You know, one of the challenges right now in the region is, is you know, a place like Mexico, uh, well, in the U.S., if you think about, you know, hey, a Series B in this environment, very, very difficult to get done. Uh, but at the very least, sort of, we, we've sort of cleared a threshold of, you know, there is $20 million of capital out there that is, you know, at least hypothetically meant to be deployed in Series Bs in the United States. I, I'm not sure that that exists in, in some other uh, regions, right, geos. And, and I think LATAM is one of those where, you know, certainly Brazil has got that type of follow-on money still still out there, but, you know, places like New Mexico and Colombia and others, I, I think uh, we're still seeing kind of where the market's going to shake out. And so, um, you know, certainly kind of cautiously optimistic uh, about the region. You know, we've got kind of investments, uh, fintech and insurtech uh, across the region and uh, excited to kind of continue that, that investing. And, and for myself personally, passionate about expanding that more to the kind of Southern Cone region, places like Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, and, and others. Amazing. Nico, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alex. Thank you.